0: Well, hey, good morning, You Hope Community Church. Uh, thank you for sharing your worship experience with us here this morning, and uh, we're so grateful that you joined us for Online Church. And I pray that, and I hope, that you had an amazing Mother's Day weekend to celebrate and to honor all of our special moms. Would you open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 12? Uh, today, we're gonna be talking about lifestyle evangelism lifestyle evangelism. What if I told you that God in His divine wisdom would allow your life, your 24-7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and what seems to be like a mundane life, whether you drop off your kids to school, you clock clocking at work, where you're cleaning up your house, you're cutting the grass, um, changing oil, cleaning up the kitchen, kitchen uh, taking out, uh, doing laundry, folding clothes. What if I told you that there was a way that God in his wisdom of how you live your life, it would be uh, evangelism, that others, they would see your good works, they would see your holy conduct, First Peter tells us, and they would glorify God. And my hope and prayer this morning is that when we go through the text that you would catch the heart of God, that you would catch this vision that you are an evangelist, that you are a minister. Remember, we are a royal priesthood and that God would use your life in your in the marketplace, in the in your workplace, at the school, uh, in your home, in your community, in your neighbors, in your campuses, that God would use uh, your lifestyle, that it would bring glory unto him. All right. So first Peter, chapter two, verses 11 through 12. Let's go ahead and turn there. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we uh, look to you uh, this morning for our spiritual bread. Your word says that man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Lord, as we are hungry, we need spiritual nutrients. We need spiritual sustenance from you, O Lord Jesus, as we have come to worship you and to hear your word and to pray and to engage. I pray, God, that you would meet us, that you would fill us so that loving you and delighting in you, Lord God, would be the substance of our work, that you would be our portion and you would be our strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 11 to 12, uh, Peter he begins to really draw out and really begins to uh, spell out this theme of living as exiles or sojourners, and here in this world. In other words, he begins to um, gives a statement and his thesis of First Peter of how we are to live our lives that would bring honor and glory and praise unto God and. I just want to give you before we go through our main point and our three action points and how to live this out is that this is the thematic summary of these two verses in verses 11 peter presents to us what our present condition is and what is our present condition what's our spiritual standing before god is that we are sojourners and exiles And number two, he gives an exhortation or command or encouragement in verses 11b, which is to abstain from the passions of the flesh, stay away from sinful desires. All right. And then thirdly, he gives the purpose of good behavior or living our lives, honorable conduct before God. In verse 12, it it says that so that people, they would see your good works and that they would give glory to God. So here's the, the, the summary of this. The present condition, the exhortation, and finally the purpose of this good behavior. And all that to say is this, here's the main point that I want us to live out this morning and be transformed and be renewed and be changed. Would you write this down? Obedience is our responsibility. The outcome is God's. Let me say that again. Obedience is our responsibility. The outcome is God's. So, as this relates to living as salt and light in this world, living as sojourners and exiles, what Peter's saying here is that, hey, we need our responsibility, our kuleana, as it were, is to live in obedience before God. And as we live before God, as we put away or we abstain from sinful desires or lust of the flesh, uh, Peter says that people would see your good deeds and they would honor God and that they would praise God and they bring glory to God. So obedience is our responsibility, but the outcome is God's responsibility. So Peter's essential message here is that we're to live Holy lives. The word holy, you know, it can get so religious sometimes, but it just means that your lives are set apart. Everybody else is going this way. You're going this way. Everybody's, you know, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. They were to live holy lives in the midst of secular chaos, which is obedience, And that we let God take care of the final results, which is the outcome. Putting it differently, Peter is calling the churches in Asia Minor to live a lifestyle radically different from the surrounding culture as part of their strategy for pleasing God and coping with their environment. And so this call to holiness, this call to be sojourners and exiles is no different today. I think it's more important that the that the church does not look like the world, but the church that we would be that light on a hill that we you guys know that light shines brightest in darkness. And what Peter is doing here is he sets this command. And so. I want us to have three main points to walk away with, three action points. The first action point is this, be what you already are in Christ. Be who you already are, are in Christ. In verse 11a, Peter starts off with, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. And I love how Peter starts off with beloved, where there's agapetos, agape, you know, the highest form of love, this unconditional love. You know, the message Eugene Peterson says, friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. This word sojourners and exiles, um, it means to live as a foreigner. It's a person who for a period of time lives in a place which is not his normal residence. And I love Eugene Peterson's insight there where he says, don't make yourselves cozy or or comfortable in this place because this is not our home. So the believer, if you have said yes to Jesus, if you follow Jesus, we are to experience a moral estrangement. We are to be culture-shocked in this world, in, the, in our society, as a consequence of not sharing society's norms and values. Moral estrangement. As citizens of God's holy nation, the Christian is therefore, we're aliens. We're, we're not from here. We're not, quote-unquote, locals. We're tourists. And we're foreigners in a pagan society where God has placed us in this world. Be who you already are in Christ. So not only are they sojourners and exiles, but if you go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, let's go ahead and turn there. It says, but you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are a people of God's mercy. And what Peter is saying is, be who you already are. It's already in you. It's within you. The Holy Spirit, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 says that you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. When you heard the gospel of your salvation and that you believed. So when you heard the gospel, when you believe in Christ, when you confess with your sin, believe in your mouth that Jesus is Christ and that God raised him from the dead, you already are a part of God's holy people. Be who you already are. This idea can be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6-7. Paul writes, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Right? So cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. And I love this phrase here as you really are unleavened. So, this moral estrangement that Christians are experiencing is because that's who they are. Another example of this is found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 17 through 20. So the function of a fruit is not to make a tree a tree. The function of fruit, you don't become a good tree by becoming by bearing good fruit. You bear good fruit so that the goodness of the tree is recognized. What does this all mean? It simply means this as it relates to 1 Peter that when you abstain from the passion of the flesh, you're not making yourself God's chosen possession, His holy priest and His royal nation. When we abstain from the flesh, passions of the flesh, we are showing that we are God's chosen people. We are doing who we already are. In other words, you guys, an eagle does not fly to try to act like an eagle. An eagle flies because it is an eagle. A dolphin swims in the ocean, not so that it could try to act like a dolphin or do what dolphins do, but a dolphin swims in the ocean because it is it is a dolphin. And so for the believer we abstain from, we put away, we keep at a distance passions of the flesh, this anger that we feel when we feel disrespected, this uh, sense of revenge and vengeance, this bitterness, this um, sense of uh, being indignation towards other people. We put this away because you know what? I have been transformed from the inside out. I'm just doing what I already am. I am a new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians five seventeen: The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So the Christian, we stay away. We abstain from the passions of the flesh. Why? Because we're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're a peculiar people. We have received mercy. We are sojourners. We're we're tourists here in this world. We're not locals. We're tourists here in this world. We're sojourners and we're exiles. And as the culture, it surrounds it, it's telling us, fulfill every desire that you have. Fulfill every inclination. Whatever you feel like, do you, right? Do whatever you feel inside. It's like, no. The Bible is clear that we have desires and we have longings and we have wants that instead of being fulfilled we should instead what control. And that's where Galatians 5, you know remember the fruit of the spirit? It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and what? self-control. The fruit that you have, the Holy Spirit, in your life is that you have the ability to master yourself, to control and exercise control over sinful desires, over lustful thoughts. You're able to put a gate and do not enter into your thought life. Number two is to fight keep away from self-destructive behavior we must fight to keep away from self-destructive behavior look at verse 11b it says to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul let me ask you a question why should you fight and stand and make war against the passions of your flesh because your sinful desires it makes war it stands it wages war against your soul if you have kids especially if they're a little bit younger and they're closer in age when you hear bickering and yelling and fighting and whenever there's a fight and you come in the door you open the door say like, hey what's going on what's the usual response Why are you guys fighting? What's the usual response? He, what? Started it, or she started it, or they started it. That's why we're in a fight, because they initiated and they started it, right? And the reason why you and I, church, must take seriously the mortification of the flesh, meaning the death to the flesh, the death to sinful desires, is because your sinful desires it comes and it wages war against your very own soul. And that's why you and I, we must fight to keep it away, to keep away from selfish and self-destructive behavior. Let me ask you something. Is declaring war and fighting against your sinful desires in your radar, like is it in your peripheral do you, think every, do, you ever, do you think on a daily basis, or have you ever thought like, man, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in, who lives in me. The life which I now live, I live by faith in Jesus who, who died and gave his life for me. That is to say, do we, do we have a mentality that we are in spiritual battle? Do you engage in a spiritual conflict, in spiritual battle against your flesh? Because guess what, your flesh started it. The sinful desires, it makes war against your soul. Or do you just, uh, this is church here, (laughs) we can be honest, or do you just resign? To the fact, well, I'm always this rotten person. I, uh, this will always be my vice. This will always be my weakness. So here I go. I'm just going to go keep sinning. Or do you even rationalize it? Like, well, you know, I, I need to do this now. I'm just going to, I'll ask for forgiveness later. Or do you subconsciously just surrender and, and, and wave the white flags? Like, well, I'm, I'm a sinner. And so I'm just going to sin. And I'm just going to fall into my sinful desires. Well, Peter says, hey, these things of this world, this lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, this pride of life, pride in our accomplishment, desiring what other people have, desiring, coveting, this word, that's this word here in Greek, epithumia, which means um, to covet and to um, desire and, and fulfill That's what this word is. Or do we fight and we don't resign, but we actually stand firm? Right? First Peter, our series stand firm in the grace and make war and wage war against your sinful desires because your sinful desires wage war against you. You know, in January 19th, local authorities in Pomfret, Maryland, discovered that a 49-year-old man named David Wriston had been cohabiting with more than 100 snakes, and they found him dead. At first, officials did not believe Wriston died of a snake bite, but on Wednesday, April 13th, the state medical examiner's office confirmed that the man's death was caused by snake invomination. A research of Riston's home revealed that he had over 124 snakes in his home. They were all housed in incredibly well-maintained enclosures. Some of the reptiles found are classified as both exotic and illegal. And nobody had any idea that this man, James Riston, that he were that he was harboring snakes inside his house. They found rattlesnakes, um, a 14-foot Burmese python, cobras, and black mambas. They couldn't confirm it, but you know, two drops of black uh, mamba venom it can kill you within 20 minutes. That's all it takes. What's my point that I'm saying here? My point is I think too often, too many times, we have, we keep snakes around. We entertain snakes. We harbor snakes. We have it around within us and and we keep it hidden from the world. And, you know, we have it classified and we have it contained in, in enclosures where we go to incognito mode and we have, we delete the history of what we watch and we're careful just to play enough with our sinful desires and with our lusts and we dabble into it not knowing this could be that this is making and waging war against your soul. So we must fight, keep away, do not entertain, do not mess around. Do not keep it on the side and, and harbor snakes in our home or in our hearts. Put it away. That The word abstain there in the Greek, ikon, uh, it means that to steep, uh, keep at a distance. Keep it at a distance. It's used in Luke chapter 15 where the father, he saw his prodigal son at a long way off at a distance and that's what we are to do with the sinful desires that you and I have. We must keep it away, fight, fight, contend that these things are making war against my soul, against my future, against my marriage, against my legacy with my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. I will not become a statistic that I am going to live my life in honorable um, conduct before God, that I'm going to keep away from um, the passions of the flesh so that people look at my life, no matter what kind of stink they say about me, no matter how much they malign me, they would see my good deeds and that they would glorify God. And so lastly, we'll go ahead and close with this, is treat people with honor so that God will be honored. Treat people with honor so that God will be honored. Have gracious dealings. Be kind with your words. Don't give people what they deserve, but offer and extend grace and forgiveness because God has offered grace and forgiveness to you. You know, this is a spiritual principle that will change the game of evangelism, of how you live your life. This, this spiritual dynamic that will transform um, when people malign you, that it would turn to praise unto God. When we treat people with honor, it would morph and it would transform people's slander against you, this horizontal slander towards you, that when they see that you honor them, it would turn to, horse, to vertical praise unto God when we are kind and gracious with our words, with our actions, even though people are talking stink about us or they mistreat us or they um, accuse us falsely. Even says in first Peter here, it says, though they see your deeds as wrong. Let's look at verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds. And glorify God on the day of salvation. What can transform people's accusations and malignment? What could transform this venomous slander and they accuse you falsely? What, what can transform it into praise unto God? It says when you keep Your conduct, your behavior, your words. You keep your conduct, what? Honorable. The word honorable there in the Greek, it means kalein. It means to something that's good or worthy of good. It means, um, other translations, it's beautiful. Because you serve a beautiful God, and there's such a beautiful gospel that our words and our conduct would bring, no matter what darts and arrows and bullets are shot at us, It would transform. They see that you treat them with love and honor and grace, that it would be transformed into praise. You know, my son, Judah, he's a freshman at Kaiser High School. He was homeschooled from second grade through eighth grade. And, you know, we've invested, you know, Renee talked about last week, that the most important is that they are passionate Christ followers. Nothing else and everything else comes in second place and so we bring our kids to school and uh, he goes to public school now and right away you know word gets around you know small island small school and that he's a pastor's kid and he's now identified as a christian that he follows jesus he invites his friends to church that uh, he lives a life that's set apart and it was very challenging for him you know one time uh, one of the substitute teacher, substitute teacher it's like, hey, who here is not vaccinated? Who here is vaccinated? If you're not vaccinated, stand up and uh, Judah's vaccinated, but you know, it's still he like stood up and said, like, That's not right what you're doing. You're you're calling people out, you're shaming them. This is you know, and um, and one of the things is that they're a pretty big LGBTQ plus um, agenda that's you know in curriculum and Judah, you know, and they kinda malign him they accuse him of being a, uh, a bigot and hate speech and all that stuff and um, anyways so Judah had an opportunity last week uh, to do a public speaking presentation it's for his ROTC class and um, anyways like in the vein of um, Matt Walsh's book you know Johnny the walrus um, he thought like oh you know what uh, I'm I'm gonna write my speech my three three minute um, public speaking. I'm going to talk about. I identify as an attack helicopter. Ever since I was born, I've had desires to um, have machine guns, and I will now get a doctor to, you know, to and you know, in, in good fun, basically saying you can't identify as that. You're male, male, or female, female. That was kind of like the 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 explicit or implied message. And you know he's just kind of kind of sick and tired of being kind of picked out and and set apart and so I was like, "Dad, what do you think?" I'm like, uh, you know what Judah um, you know I don't want you know those who are struggling with this um, you know with you know gender dysphoria and uh, those who identify and um, I don't want them to look at this, it's like, see, even the Christians, the pastor's kids, they were just making fun of us, and they were just discrediting our feelings, and they just, oh, you know, they made, they mocked us and said we identify as attack helicopter. I was like, what do you, I was like, man, uh, Judah, you have, um, why don't you treat them with kindness and, and grace and just honor them, you know? And I was like, you know, I, I don't want this to be a lasting, and I don't want this to be Kind of your reputation that you're this, you know, we want to bring honor to the Lord. You could always stand for truth, but you could, you should keep your honor, your conduct honorable before God. And so, so instead, so he put away any sense of revenge and anger and vengeance, and he's like, okay, Dad, I, I think I got it. And so, uh, he did his presentation. Um, it was still on the helicopter, but it's not like mocking or like I identify as this. Attacked helicopter, I the long story short, <laughs> shorter, um, you know, he got a 40 out of 40, and um, he got, a, you know, the maximum points, 100% on the, this project, and he was able to just um, uh, maintain good relationships with, um, you know, people who did not know Jesus, non-Christians, unchurched, people who identified as um, different things and, and the Lord w- was able to use Judah to bring dignity and to kind of um, uh, you know hey you feel what you feel you know but you know you're still loved by God and, and to be able to communicate that and, and I hope one day you know that um, what they see in Judah and what they see in us is that uh, they would give glory to God on the day of his visitation what was my main point? What is the main point of this? That obedience is our responsibility. It's our responsibility to stay away and fight to keep away from selfish desires, from sinful nation, from passions of the flesh. It's our responsibility to walk in obedience and be salt and light, not to fit in with the culture, not to um, conform to the culture. But we're to um, keep away, fight against our fleshly and sinful desires and to live lives that are honorable before God. That's our responsibility. And God's, and the outcome is God's responsibility. We're not responsible for the outcome. The outcome is God's. Who knows one day um, when Jesus returns, they would see, like, oh man, you know, Romans says the kindness of God leads us to repentance. And so uh, may I encourage us to continue to be a people as you already are right as strangers and sojourners and exiles to um to live as who we already are, to be who we already are and with our life that it would be um a lifestyle of evangelism of of spreading the gospel and living out the gospel in kindness and grace let's go ahead and pray lord we love you we thank you for this morning and i just pray right now for your people that uh, you would stir in our hearts, oh God, to live for you. I pray that we would make our lives count. Lord, what seems mundane is actually um, special. What seems as secular is actually holy before you, and it's spiritual. So Lord, I pray, God, that in our dealings with our neighbors, with our coworkers, with our relatives, th- those who don't know you, that as we abstain, Lord, from uh, passions of the flesh, well we're at war and we make war against our sinful desires and we keep them away, that as we live for you, as we experience moral estrangement, that you would give us, whole, that you Holy Spirit would give us strength to walk in obedience and Lord, that lead the outcome up to you. And so Father, we thank you that we did not choose you, but you chose us, that we should go and bear fruit. So Lord, I pray for good fruit out of the goodness of who you are, out of the goodness of who we are in you. So, Lord, we honor you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, you guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, don't forget, next Sunday, we will have water baptism at 4 o'clock at Mauna Lua Bay. We hope to see you guys there. Bring a lawn chair. Bring a potluck dish. Bring a tent. A good time to connect, talk story and support and encourage those who are getting water baptized. We love you guys. Have an amazing week. Take care.